Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 to 2. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Short Bible reading today, but we will be uh, exploring a little more of Proverbs as we go through. Let's pray together. <coughs> Our Father, pray that as we have this precious few moments together to, to dwell on the Word of God, I pray you'd speak to us by the Holy Spirit. If you show us Jesus, our Saviour, and make us wise, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> What's your greatest treasure? Can you picture it in your mind's eye? Can you pick something? Something that's in your possession, something that you own in your life. What's your greatest treasure? Maybe in your imagination, uh, can you go there in your mind? So perhaps it's, if it's in your house, then go in your house to the room where your greatest treasure is. And can you imagine touching it, grabbing it? Are you there? I wonder what you've got in the palm of your hand. Is it, for some people, uh, jewellery, perhaps? I don't know, that literally is the, the most valuable thing I own, is this jewellery. Um, is it the car keys? That's the, that's the most expensive thing that I have. Is it a photo or a letter? You know, maybe it's more sentimental value. Actually, this, this piece of paper is so precious to me. Uh, is it a person? Maybe you're grabbing the hand of somebody uh, very special to you and you're thinking, this, this person is a treasure. Proverbs in the Bible encourages us to think about our treasure and um, to put a right value on it. And it, it says to us in this very simple Bible reading for today, we're really just focusing on Proverbs chapter 10, verse 2. Some treasures are of no lasting value. So you want to be clear on what, if I'm really, really prizing something in life, is, is, it, is it of lasting value or in God's sight it's actually much less valuable than I think it is? Broadly speaking, in Proverbs, there are three categories of treasure. There's um, ill-gotten treasures, which it talks about in our verse today, Proverbs 11.2. Ill-gotten treasures, stuff that's stolen. There's hard-earned treasures, you know, stuff that actually, I, I have it, and it is mine. And uh, thirdly, death-defying treasures. So I, I have it, it's mine, and even death can't take it away. So ill-gotten, hard-earned, and death-defying, and we'll, we'll explore a little bit of each of them. <clears throat> If you feel you have no treasure in life, of course, if you feel you've got nothing, then there's also good news for you today. We began last week looking at this book of Proverbs in the Bible. It's such a gift to a Christian. And uh, I want us to see on Sundays and also midweek in home groups that is written from a parent to a child. We're all invited to listen in. And it's offering to teach us wisdom, to walk the path of wisdom. And we said last week, it's a bit like a boiled sweet. And uh, like with a boiled sweet, you don't just bite on it and, you know, and then you, you gulp it down. You suck on a boiled sweet and you, you let the flavour develop. And so too, I want to try and illustrate that with our sermon today as we just look at one proverb. Let's suck on that boiled sweet and we'll, we'll meditate on it together. It's very simple, uh, Proverbs, thankfully, so I'm hoping to give you a very simple sermon. It's got two obvious lines in it. If you have your Bible open, you might see it's divided into two lines. Firstly, ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value. 
And secondly, but righteousness delivers from death. So there, there's, there you go, there's your sermon. I can't I'm try and not make it more complicated than that. First point, ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value. Secondly, but righteousness delivers from death. It's short enough, I can summarize it there for you. Firstly, it says ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value. And by the way, there's an outline on the back of your church family news sheet if you just want to be doubly sure or you want to jot anything down. Ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value. What's an ill-gotten treasure then? The, the English Standard Version, another translation of the Bible, helpfully translates it as treasures gained by wickedness. So we're basically talking about stolen goods, right? Ill-gotten treasures, stuff that you've nicked. Just to put that beyond doubt, um, there is one other place in the whole Bible that uses this exact phrase in Hebrew, ill-gotten treasures. It's Micah 6 verse 10. I've put it there on the old sheets on your sermon outline for you. So in Micah 6 verse 10, it says, am I still to forget your ill-gotten treasures, you see, you wicked house and the short ephah, which is accursed? Shall I acquit someone with dishonest scales, with a bag of false weights? So in ancient markets, let me try and tell you what this is talking about. In ancient markets, uh, you, were, you were there to buy your, your grain, by and large, or your goods. So you, the, the seller in the market might have a huge bag of flour, like this one, that he'd harvested and milled. And um, you know, it talks in Micah 6 verse 10 just there about the short ether. An ephah is like a dry measure. It is a dry measure. So uh, just like we have a kilogram, they had an ephah. That was their set measure. And uh, you might go up to your market stall and you say, could I have an ether of flour, please? And uh, they, they ought to give you an ether of flour. You know, they ought to reach into their bag of flour and give you your goods. And then you'd give them the money. But the thieving market trader might just use a slightly smaller ether. You see, it's a slightly smaller measure. It's ever so slightly different from the actual regular government ether. And in doing so, they'd be cheating you, wouldn't they? They'd ask for a pound or whatever, and they'd be giving you slightly less goods. You get the idea? So when God says in Micah 6 verse 10, I hate that. I hate the short ether. That's a curse. This is what he's getting at. He says, I, I, I don't like this ill-gotten treasure. If you're a market trader, you could make, what, two, three, four percent on every transaction by slightly cheating someone so they don't recognize it. Two, three, four percent over the course of your year, your lifetime. That's attractive, isn't it? But God says, don't do that. That's ill-gotten treasure. That's money that's not yours. But why do they have no lasting value? Let's compare a few other Proverbs. If you, if you have a Bible and you want to follow with me, I'm just going to give you two other examples. Proverbs 12, verse 3 page 646, Proverbs 12, verse 3, it says, No one can be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. You see that? So you can't be established through wickedness. That is to say, if you've stolen things, you may, you may hold them in your hand. You, know, you may have the extra 4% of your revenue in your hand. It's not really yours, though, and it's not established. So you're, you're always going to live in fear of someone tapping you on the shoulder and saying, Oi! I know what you've done. You've been cheating people, haven't you? Or if you live in a society with police and justice, you're going to live in fear of the police siren or the knock on the door and people saying, hey, we've come to get what's not rightfully yours, it belongs to someone else. So you won't be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. The righteous person has no creeping dread of being found out because they know that if it's 
hard-earned treasure is, is theirs. Let me give you one other example. Proverbs 20, verse 17. Proverbs 20, 17. Food gained by fraud tastes sweet, but one ends up with a mouth full of gravel. Now, that's vivid, isn't it? Have you ever had a mouth full of gravel? I haven't. Uh, but, you know, it, that's disgusting. I don't want a mouth full of gravel as if I set out to eat something tasty. In other words, you'll enjoy it at first, sure, but it'll be rubbish in the end. It'll be gravel in your mouth when your crime catches up with you. And God has built into the universe this understanding that actually human beings, they, they have this understanding that what's yours is yours and what's mine is mine. And if you break that understanding, then people don't like it and it will come back on your own head. Or to give you a more recent example um, of ill-gotten treasures. I came across a story recently of these two. They're called John and Anne Darwin, and they've been in the news. Some of you heard of these guys? Nodding your heads. So in 2002, John Darwin, who uh, lived near Hartlepool, he, he decided to fake his own death. And uh, he took out a massive life insurance policy, and he, uh, he then said to his wife, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go canoeing in the North Sea, which is something I do sometimes, but I'm not gonna come back. I'm gonna fake my death out on the North Sea. And so he, he, he paddled out to sea, and uh, he was never seen again. At least that was the story. What he'd actually done was paddle just around the bay, in his wife's knowledge. He'd left the, he let the paddle be found later by the emergency services, and his wife picked him up in the car and drove him back to their house in secret, and she hid him. So he faked his death. Everyone, they'd launched this massive rescue operation. Everyone thought that John Darwin, canoe man, as he became, came to be known, had died. And then she collected the 679,000 pounds of life insurance policy that he'd taken out. When they thought it was safe, they moved to Panama and they started a new life there using their riches, their ill-gotten treasures. But what happens with ill-gotten treasures, well, what happened to them was that they, this photo, this very photo was taken in a Panama estate agent when they were trying to use their money to buy a house. It got onto the internet and someone on the internet said, hey, wait a minute, that's that guy who's supposed to be dead. And they got busted and they, and they got ordered to pay back everything that they owned. He now has to pay back his pension as well. And uh, he, wherever he goes in the world, uh, now that he's done his time, people say, hey, you're that thief. So he's reviled, you see. Ill-gotten treasures, they have a way of doing that. God's built that into the universe so that they have no lasting value. You may have 679,000 pounds in the palm of your hand, but it's not yours. And someone's going to come snatch it off you. If you're a Christian, you have no need of ill-gotten treasures. You live in a universe laced with the generosity of God, so he gives you plenty of treasures. You have no need to steal. Don't amass ill-gotten treasures in big ways, you know, like canoe man. If you're cooking up a plot with a life insurance scam, just stop it. That's, that's ridiculous. Don't do that. But also in small ways, we've got no need to go after ill-gotten treasures. There's a story of a young man um, which I heard, a young man got a job on a building site in America and he was working alongside this older guy who's got grizzled and he's a veteran of the building site. And after a little while, the older man says, young man, when you go to the store and you pay for a loaf of bread, what do you expect to receive? And the young man goes, well, I, I expect to receive a loaf of bread. And the older man says, you're right. But young man, today you've been paid a full day's wages, but you're returning only half a day's work in exchange. In other words, you're stealing half a loaf. Do you see his point? 
he's just trying to teach the young man, actually, if you go to work and you turn in 50% effort, then why should anyone give you 100% wages? It doesn't work that way. Be honest, don't get ill-gotten treasures. Or for you, the rule in your job might be, we bill for the hours we work. But everyone embellishes that. I mean, there's an understanding. Yeah, but you should only bill for the hours that you work. If you send invoices to people for the services you provide, then let's try and send invoices accurately for the goods that we've actually provided. A person soon gets a reputation for being deceitful in small things, and it can rebound on them when we're not trusted with the big things. The way of Christ is, ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value. So, that's half the proverb, right? But there's another half, and it's even better. So, let's, let's do the second half. But righteousness delivers from death, it says. Righteousness delivers from death. What does that mean? Well, righteousness in its simplest definition is a moral uprightness. Okay, so God can be righteous, he is righteous, and a human being can be righteous. You can have a moral uprightness. We're invited to that in the Bible. And in Proverbs, if your moral uprightness delivers you from death, it's actually very simple. It's because you don't get jumped for being an idiot. <laughs> Put it that way. You know, if you go around stealing stuff from, from people in the ancient world, then they were eventually going to come and get you and club you over the head. Or you, you would die early. So you, your righteousness, your honesty, would deliver you from an early death. In the modern world, it's not quite that straightforward, is it? You know, you could, you could survive even though you're a crook. But actually, it still does work, doesn't it? I mean, Queen Elizabeth II, she had a moral uprightness to her, and look, she lived to age 96. I mean, she was honest, and she sat on the throne, and no one tried to push her off it. You know, no, no one tried to murder her, because they thought, well, you're, you're kind of a righteous, upright character. We like you, we'd rather have you. Let me give you another Proverbs example. You, you follow with me, Proverbs 16, verse 31. 16, 31. Proverbs 16, 31. Grey hair is a crown of splendour. It is attained in the way of righteousness. Isn't that great? So remember, next time you find grey hair, oh, this is a crown of splendour, this thing. I'm not, I'm not going to despair over this. There's a crown of splendour on my hair. It's just going to get bigger and fuller of grey hair. Uh, but beyond that, you see what the logic of this. Grey hair is a crown of splendour. It's attained in the way of righteousness. So, uh, unrighteous thieves, they weren't allowed to live long enough to get grey hair. But it, it, you know, in the ancient world, if you lived a long time, you'd get that grey hair and it'd be a sign of a life well lived. You'd been allowed to live that long. So if you don't steal and you do have a sort of righteousness in your life, then you're much less likely to suffer the early death of your body, or maybe your career, or your friendships, or your family relationships, because righteousness delivers from death. And we'll see in Proverbs, it often talks about probabilities, not promises, right? So you, know, I know you can always think of exceptions, ah, oh, but what about them? You know, they, they lived an honest life and they died early. Yeah, I know, but generally speaking, Proverbs says, righteousness delivers from death. Probability, not promise. But then, on top of that, let me just add one extra layer, because Proverbs speaks of this mysterious extra level of deliverance from death. Let me show you uh, Proverbs 8, 18. Proverbs 8, 18. 
With me, this is, this is wisdom talking, with me are riches and honour, enduring wealth and prosperity. That word prosperity is literally righteousness. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasures, treasuries full. Do you get that language? It's just hinting there's something enduring about um, righteousness which goes beyond the normal. Something that's death-defying about treasure. And you might think, yeah, it's not really clear though. Well, just let me give you one more example. Proverbs 11 verse 4, our last bit of Proverbs exploration. Proverbs 11 4. It says, wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So it's the same second half of the problem, isn't it? Righteousness delivers from death. But when it says day of wrath, that's, that's the day when God judges the world. And it's no use. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. There's no use having a, a fat wallet then and saying, yeah, well, Jesus, I, I know I didn't live you know, as you wanted me to, but can I give you some cash? Like, that won't work. Wasn't it striking on Monday at um, Her Majesty's funeral when she had the most valuable things in the world, you know, the crown jewels were resting on top of her coffin, but before they put it to rest. What do they do? Just took it off. Your Majesty, you won't be needing that. Or you're, you're going to face Jesus Christ with faith just like the rest of us. So they took them off and handed them on to the next earthly person. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. And on that day, you need righteousness. Proverbs hints at this, right? So it's, getting, it's, it's saying, wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. But he's groping. Solomon is groping towards something he didn't yet see clearly. But the New Testament spells it out for us. Because in Bethlehem, 2,000 years ago, a man was born who was so amazing, it was like he was raised from the pages of Proverbs. Imagine all the letters on the pages of your Bible and Proverbs just forming a human being out of DNA. And he lived wisdom. He was wisdom incarnate. Jesus' character was so righteous that it, it delivered him from death. Sure, I know, I know he died young, having lived an honest life, but, but when he died... God said to him, hey, Jesus of Nazareth, you were the righteous one. I want, I want you out of that grave. I want you sitting next to me on the throne. So his righteousness delivered him from death. And the Bible promises amazingly that Jesus' righteousness, his perfect track record, could be yours. You don't believe me? Romans chapter 3, verse 21. I've put it there on your sermon sheets. In one of the climactic statements of the whole Bible, it says, Romans 3.21, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So Jesus' righteousness can be given to you, however you've lived. And it's a gift. His righteousness can deliver you from death and give you eternal life. Let me try just a story to try and bring out the wonder and the beauty of this. When I was 16, I was at school and they said to me, right, you need to go and get some work experience, all of you. So uh, I had to think about what I wanted to do. And at the time, I really wanted to be a lawyer. So I thought, ah, oh, my uncle, he's a lawyer. I'll, I'll see if I can get some work experience with him. So I phoned up Uncle Jim and he said, sure, like, come up and stay with me for the week. So I got, the, um, I got down to a charity shop and I bought myself... Uh, a jacket and tie. I was uh, totally unused to wearing that. I remember it being really ill-fitting, but you know, I, I, in theory I was smart. And I put that on and got the train up to the north where he lived and 
I went and spent the week with him. I went everywhere with Uncle Jim that week in his law firm. Um, I went to his meetings, I went to his court cases, I even went to his Christmas party, which happened to be that week, and I tagged along. And every time I got to an important meeting, I'd get to the door and, and usually someone would look at me, this gangly uh, kid in an ill-fitting blazer, and they, and they would begin to say, you know, I could tell, you can't come in to this important meeting. And then I would say, I'm with Jim Banfi. Oh, okay. And then they would let me in. Because it turned out my uncle was a well-respected solicitor in the north. Little did I know. And you know, my friends, one day you and I will die too. And we get to the gates of heaven. I don't know quite how it will look, but um, we get to some sort of gate or door or entrance. And I imagine there'll be some fierce and blazing angel. And they'll take one look at me and one look at you. And they'll, they'll get ready to turn us away. As if to say, what are you doing here? You can't come in. And I intend to say something like, I'm with Jesus. I'm with the righteous one. And then the Bible promises me that I'll be welcome. Isn't that amazing? Just like my Uncle Jim's character, his reputation, his track record was such that, that I was welcome, so too in, in heaven. You and I could be welcome because we're with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Even if you don't have a penny to your name in life, even if you feel actually there is nothing in my possession which is a treasure, you could still have the greatest treasure of treasures. You could have Jesus and his righteousness. So as we wrap all this together, what is the Holy Spirit urging us to do? Well, it's this. Go after what's really valuable in life. Righteousness. It's not ill-gotten treasures. You know, they depreciate to zero. That's a poor investment. If, someone, if something is of no lasting value, just forget it. Go after righteousness, which is a death-defying treasure. If you can get yourself righteousness, that will hold its value and hold its value and hold its value. And the way God gives righteousness is both as an instant award and a gradual reality. So a bit like with an adopted child, you know. And if, if you get adopted into a family, you are instantly part of that family on the day of the legal judgment. But also you grow into the family likeness and you, you, you learn the family ways as you go on. Well, so too with righteousness, you know. It's an instant award. When you become a Christian, you get the new birth. You are made righteous in Jesus Christ. God sees you perfect in him, loved, associated with Jesus' reputation, not your own. If you want to know more about that, I love, I love talking to people about that. Yeah, I love that. I know many of you do too. Well, you may have been a Christian for years, but you just need to remember that. I was awarded Jesus' righteousness years ago. I had a moment this morning where I was just despairing of life. <laughs> and I remembered, oh, I've been given the righteousness of Christ to wear. But then that's also something you grow in, isn't it? It's a gradual reality, righteousness, sometimes called sanctification in the Bible. So day by day, the Holy Spirit is making you, Christian, and me more like Jesus in our behavior. And if, if you want that gradual reality of sanctification, growing in righteousness, then you just need to keep going. Proverbs talks a lot about wisdom being like a path. And the, you know, the only way to deal with a path is to keep walking on the path. You have to keep going. Someone joined this church recently, and they used a beautiful phrase to describe their Christian life. They talked about... Uh, wanting righteousness. I thought that was beautiful. A really simple, beautiful, hungry way to talk about their Christian life. Ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death.
Let's take a moment, shall we, just in, in quiet while we have peace. And uh, it may be that there's some aspect of your treasures or your righteousness you want to talk to the Lord silently about. Let's pray together. Almighty God, holy God, we don't want ill-gotten treasures. We just recognize the hollowness of that, the unrootedness of that. We pray you'd, you'd wean our hearts off it, Father, and open our hands. And give us, we pray, righteousness. I pray for anyone who just desperately wants the righteous track record of Jesus Christ applied to them. I pray they might know the freedom and the joy of that today by faith. I pray for, for all of us who, Father, are walking the path of wisdom through the ups and downs and the difficulties and the struggles and the sins. We, we pray that you might sanctify us and continue to make us righteous by a great miracle, by the miracle of the church. Let me ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.